see trees of green Red roses too I see them bloom For me and you And I think to myself Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, the Art Box. Hey, Steve. Hey, <laughs> Linda. How are you doing? It's been a long time. It has. You've been on vacation, right? I have. I've been working. You have. You've I been on vacation. I was. So we have some exciting news about the Steam Summer Center Open House. It's this Friday and Saturday, August 25th and August 26th. On the 25th, the open house will be from noon to 4 on the 26th, it will be from 10 till noon. The other exciting thing we have going is um, you and I, with our Clouds in the Sand podcast, are sponsoring the Love Family's 2023 Youth Art Contest. That is going to be so fun. Yes, Absolutely. It, yeah, and a little bit of information. The, the themes are You Are Always Enough, Show Your Shine, Love is Limitless, Love Will Always Win, Own Who You Are, and you're perfect. I love those themes, Steve. And our planning committee also consists of young people, teenagers. So they had some great ideas of what to do and what the themes would be and how these will be judged. We're excited about it. Our, the art must be submitted on a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, and it should include your name age and contact info, your phone and your email. The submissions can be dropped off at Mortgage Mate, which is at 483 West Mesquite Boulevard, the Mesquite Public Library, or email Dana at lovefamilynv.com. And on September 8th, we'll have a get-together. If you, if you don't want to do your art on your own, you can come to the Mesquite Library on September 8th from 3 to 5, and we will have paper and crayons and colored pencils yeah, to do your art. That will go until, I think, September 30th. We will pick, I don't want to say winners, but we're going to pick kind of best in, well, we're going to have an artist of the year. We're going to pick a most creative. One will be a storyteller, which I think that's pretty exciting, huh? Mm -hmm. So the art needs to tell a story. And one for perfectly on theme, and there'll be a winner for the most impactful. Right. And the Artist of the Year awarded a spot on our 2024 Love Family t-shirts. Love Family's yearly shirts are used as a fundraising effort to support the local school's Hope Squads, a student-led suicide prevention group. So it's all for a good cause, Steve, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's going to be not only a fun time, but we get to hang out with a bunch of fun people and see smart. I'm excited. I will be there on September 8th when the kids come in and do their art. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. 
And anytime you get to hang out with the library is good, too. So Absolutely. Today, we are interviewing Vicki Dirksen. Her podcast is Night Sky Tourist, and it's extremely interesting. We'll learn a lot of tips for people wanting to do their own podcasts. She's quite experienced with that. She has a website. She has a newsletter. She can tell us all about that. Hello. Hi, Vicki. This is Linda and Steve. Hi. I was about to call you, but I'm I'm taking care of my daughter's bird, and it wouldn't quit squawking oh. trying to cover it with a blanket. <laughs> that's too funny. Hey, I'm but, like, shut up already. But that's okay for us because we have the noisy <laughs> podcast. Okay. Recently, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Paul Bogart. And while I was doing research in Paul Bogart, I found out that he had been on this podcast. I listened to it and I was like, oh my God, I love this podcast. This is great. Vicki Dirksen is the producer, editor, host of the podcast. Night Sky Tourist. Night Sky. How can I forget that? Night Sky Tourist. <laughs> and since it's become one of my favorite podcasts, and it is just, and to tell you the truth, Vicki, today I sent the one about the Mayans. I sent that to all my archaeology friends in this area for BLM National Park Service. And I've already got three people back to me who've listened to it and they they were so excited they said oh i know i love all the mines and i studied that and it's so interesting anyway i'm blabbering i'm blabbering here so welcome vicky dirksen appreciate you guys inviting me we're so glad you're here and i had a chance today to look at your website which is phenomenal you have a blog there a little bit about the website and how you got started and about yourself and i especially like that i could get daily updates and even I wanted that wonderful bracelet with the planets, <laughs> but it was oh, sold yes. out. So, Vicki, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started, if you would. Well, I have always enjoyed, believe it or not, speaking in front of people. I know that for some people, that's like worse than death. But I've always enjoyed doing that, and I never really had a creative outlet for that. And when I got involved in learning about the night sky and stargazing and just, I mostly do naked eye astronomy. It, just, it opened a whole world for me that I had been looking for all my life but had no topic to give my energy to in it. And so about a year after I launched the website and the blog, I had this harebrained idea of starting a podcast. Had no idea what I was doing, but decided to announce it to the world that I was starting one. And I was off to the races after that. So here I am. And you're a teacher as well, correct? I homeschooled my kids okay. because I wanted a certain kind of education for them. And I just couldn't find it. So I did it myself. But we were part of a really robust homeschool group in the area where I live. We had a mom who was a microbiologist. So she taught science to all of our kids. And I was really getting into learning this naked eye astronomy. So I taught that to a group of 20 students and their parents would come and sit in on the classes because they want to learn it with their kids. I'm not an educator in the traditional sense, but I I am an educator at heart for sure. You are an educator and like all of us teachers, you learn from your students and you have to stay one step above what they're doing. So, yes. yes, so you 
You definitely are. I looked at your blog this morning, and I was fascinated with how far your eye can see. You started with examples that were easy to grasp and think about. For example, if you're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you can see the Colorado River, and that was so many miles. And then if you were standing on a skyscraper, you could see somewhere out in the distance. It was just fascinating to me. And then finally, you you got to the moon and the galaxy and all of that. Yeah, the distance to the moon is a quarter of a million miles, yes. you know. And we have no limit to how far we can see. It's just that things get in the way of being able to see so far. It's really phenomenal. I mean, you can see all the way to our next galaxy with the naked eye. Andromeda, if you don't have light pollution to block your view, it's, I've seen that with the naked eye and it just blows my mind. Wow. It's just a little dusty blob in the sky. Yeah. Yep. You know, but what's interesting there, because I'm into photons, is we're not really seeing that far. They're coming to us. Yeah. That's right. I'm, you know, so there's a good point there. It's coming to us. That's the important point, if I can talk about light pollution for a second here. You know, you think about how long it takes that light to travel from Andromeda or any of the stars that we see out in the sky, how long it takes for that light, sometimes millions of years, for it to reach our eyes, and it gets blocked out in the last fraction of a second because of light pollution. And that's sad to me. It's really sad to me. Yes. Such a cool thing because we uh, think that our eye is only capable of seeing a certain distance. And right. It's not. It's really cool. I grew up under the night skies of northern Idaho, and I saw the Milky Way frequently, and I thought everybody in the world could see that. <laughs> I, I had really no concept of light pollution. I have a very clear first moment of looking up at the night sky and being like, oh, whoa. And that was on a trip that I took to Albania back in 1992. They'd been communist like less than a year before that. And I had a chance to go in with a humanitarian group, and we spent two months there. And one weekend, we went way up into the mountains, and we decided to sleep outside. And it was the middle of summer, and there must have been a meteor shower, because I saw probably two or three shooting stars per minute. It was unreal. And I remember just laying there thinking, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I have never seen a sky that looks like this. It was so unpolluted. They couldn't sleep. It was astounding. I had that same experience just a few weeks ago at the Grand Canyon. A friend and I sat out in chairs, looked at the night sky in the Milky Way, had a little bit of port wine to celebrate. And when we went to bed, curtain opened, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's still so bright. And the, the meteors falling almost explode, too. Yes. And I've never seen that before. It was amazing. That's very unique to this Perseid meteor shower that we just had. There, that particular meteor shower is really known for the really long tails of meteors streaking across the sky, and they'll be different colors. But they're also mm. known for fireballs, which is really, really cool. It was fantastic. Vicki, tell us how you got into podcasting. I had been about a year 
going with my website and my blog and it's not easy for everybody to like get discovered right away you know no matter how hard you work or whatever when you've got a blog so i felt like i wasn't getting a whole lot of traction with reaching people i loved listening to podcasts i listened to a lot of them and i was like i wonder if i could do this and it was just kind of one of those moments of wondering and then like making a knee-jerk reaction to just announce that I was going to do it so that I had no way to back out. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but, it, but uh, you know, I somehow made it all work out. But yeah, it was, it was not like this long pre-planned thing. It was just kind of a... What's next for me? On your bio, you wrote that at first you had to get used to the sound of your own voice because oh, yes. nobody likes to listen to themselves. And Steve and I have talked about that as well. Yeah, it's the funniest thing. My whole life, I've hated hearing my own voice. Like, you me know, too. I'm on video. <laughs> yeah, I'm on video or I hear something play back with my voice and I'm, oh, I just want to cover my ears. But then I have to remember, okay. You know, my this voice has gotten me this far uh, in my life so far, and no one's ever complained about it. And I was telling a friend of mine who listened to my podcast, he goes, I, I could listen to your voice all day. And I'm like, are you crazy? And then I had several people tell me how much they enjoyed listening to my voice. And I just thought that was the craziest thing in the world. So it gave me enough confidence to get over. And then when you're editing yourself, you eventually get used to it and you block it out. So it's no big deal now. But in the beginning, that was really hard for me to listen to myself. I'm glad that it all worked out. And you said your first podcast was quite an interesting experience. Would you like to tell us about that? Oh, dear Lord, that was a nightmare for me. <laughs> I will admit that there were tears. Truly, there were tears. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm an amateur. I don't know anything about audio engineering or editing. I just I had uh, my husband told me, download the Audacity app and you can just use that to edit. Well, so I downloaded it and I'm like, oh, my God gosh, where do I start with this? Well, actually, back up. I was, this is, um, I actually started on the Anchor platform, which is now podcasters for Spotify, you know? And um, you could actually edit on the app, the Anchor app. And so I did that. And when I went back to listen to it, you could hear little clicks every spot that I edited. And I was like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I might not be a professional, but I want to at least make people think maybe I am. And that was not it. It was the day that I had promised to launch the first episode. And so I was freaking out. My husband comes and downloads Audacity for me. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, I just don't even know what to do. I'm just clueless. So he kind of helped me with a few things and I just, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I bluffed my way through it. I wanted like music intro and outro and all these kind of fancy little things right off the bat. And somehow with a little bit of help from him and a lot of intense emotion and tears on my part, I got it done and got it out on the day that I had told the world I was going to do it. And oh, I can't even say that I felt relief. I just felt like on the verge of feeling defeated on that first one. So, but then after that, every episode after that was much easier. Well, you did really good because I'm one to go back. You know, I can remember when we did ours and how horrible I thought it was. And I, I still cringe to listen. 
But yours, um, I went back to listen to your first one. It was really good. I, I don't discern a lot of difference between the first oh, one and the, and the 72nd <laughs> one. Oh, my goodness. Well, and we just sat at my living room table. I had a guest. And it was the only time I had ever interviewed a guest who was in the same room as me. And never did that again after that either. So I, it was a very interesting process. I have not ever gone back and listened to my first one. So I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. Oh, you should go back <laughs> and listen to it. And you'll say... <laughs> Of course, you'll know where all the little blips and everything, because I know where all of ours are. What do you record with? So I do my guest interviews on Zoom. I, in the in the first several episodes, I actually could record right into the Anchor app, and I did that. But I quickly got away from that, and just I just use Zoom for the interviews. And then, believe it or not, for the other parts where I'm just recording myself, I just record it onto the Voice Memo app on my iPhone, and... That's it. Well, when you say Zoom, you're talking about the little Zoom box? Or you're I get on my computer and we set up a Zoom meeting and I just make it so that it records and then I take the audio from it. You yeah. know what's funny is, um, you know, we've been listening to a lot of podcasts and you've probably come across too, especially if you're editing your own, and you listen to this great podcast and you get to the end and you hear all the names of all the people who made that podcast happen and then you like name up. 20 people and you're like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. I'm all alone. <laughs> I remember listening to an episode. Uh, Bill Gates had a uh, podcast for a short period of time with Rashida Jones and they interviewed Bono and Bono's audio on this podcast sucked. It was terrible. And they have 20 people creating, you know, producing this <laughs> podcast. So then I was like, I don't feel bad anymore. <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> your podcast is your art, isn't it? It is. And I didn't see it that way at first, but mm -hmm. it really is. That's what I tell Steve, too. That the podcast is his art. So, and, and a lot of people don't realize that there's a lot more to podcasting than just sitting down and interviewing guests. There's the recruiting of the guests and the research, looking at the, the bios, the websites, all of that. I, I'm sure this keeps you busy, and I'm wondering what's the most difficult part and probably the most What's the fun part, the easy part for you? Definitely the, the most difficult part is, for me, still is just the editing because I don't enjoy that part. One day, I would love to be able to hire someone else to edit all of it because I just, I don't like the tedium of it. And I say tedium because, I'm also bringing back to what you were just saying, that it's an art. You know, at first I didn't look at it as an art. It was just a task that had to be done. But looking at it as an art, this is why I spend the time editing. You know, what are the little sounds I'm hearing that, that would be annoying if I had to be a listener? Or how long are we getting off on this tangent that's going to bore everybody and now we lose momentum? So that's the art. You know, is like finding the pacing in it and what's relevant. Where did we get off track in our conversation where the listener really isn't going to care about that? And so, so editing is the tough part, but it is also a lot of the art that goes into it mm -hmm. is um, what's going to be presented to the listener. And the part that I really enjoy about it, there's a couple of parts. I really enjoy the conversations I have with the people I interview. 
have some interesting things to share, and I've learned so much from them. So I really like that. We're, we're sitting here shaking our heads because yeah. I think that's our favorite part. Yes, yes. Absolutely. That's the fun part. But I also really, really love it when people take the time and email me and tell me how much they love something and why it meant something to them. And sometimes it's on episodes where I'm like, I wonder if people are going to really enjoy this one. You know, <laughs> that'll be the one that people are like, oh, I love this and I want to go to this place. I love that too, the feedback. I signed up for your newsletter today online and I thought this is great. So I'll get an update of what to look at in the sky. And I'm pretty excited about that because I'm a novice. Yeah, well, you know, I still kind of consider myself a novice, but I just know a little more than most novices. <laughs> I understand. But I love it. I do stargazing experience. I lead stargazing experiences and things like that. So it's been fun to just learn more myself and be able to share that with others. I love doing it. How do you handle the critic in your head? That's really hard for me. I'm, I guess you would call an A-type personality. I have a really loud critic in my head. Does it have a name? No, I don't want to know its name. <laughs> the artist we're interviewing on Wednesday, she's already told us the critic in her head's name is Linda. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I guess I just feel like I don't want to get that comfortable with it. Um, I would say that the way I handle the critic in my head is to let it have its voice for a minute. And if it's getting really, really loud... I'll share some of my feelings and thoughts with my husband and he kind of helps me work it out, but I'll let it have its moment and then tell myself, okay, you've had your moment of criticizing yourself, doubting yourself. It's time to get back to work. And I don't know if that's because of my A-type personality or what, but yeah. So I, you know, acknowledge it, acknowledge that it's there, that it's, you know, saying things you don't like, but and get back to work. That's a good way to approach it. You had mentioned that I found this fascinating that you think you like to keep your podcasts between 25 and 35 minutes, I think you said, because less than 25 is too short, but over 35 minutes is too long. Do you want to get into that a little bit? How do you decide that time because Steve and I are struggle with that. I think for me, it really depends on what your content is. What is it that your podcast is about? Because I think some podcasts, because of the content that they talk about, I think that some podcasts, you you want to get really deep into something. So you do want it to be longer. I've listened to hour long podcasts that felt like went by in five minutes. My particular podcast, I don't feel warrants that kind of time i feel like for what i'm giving what we're talking about on my podcast that's what feels right for me and i also listen to podcasts if i look up a podcast and it's like 15 or 20 minutes long i feel like that's not long enough because i do it while i'm working on other things if i'm driving somewhere i live in phoenix so you have to drive far everywhere or getting ready in the morning do my tours like then i have to stop and find another episode i want to listen to so I like it to be longer than 25 minutes, but for my topic, I feel like people are real comfortable around the half hour mark. I like your length. You get right to the subject. 
Yeah, and for what I really enjoy, the pacing is really important for how I want to do my podcast. So if you get into a segment that drags on too long, I feel like, okay, because of my topic, I'm going to lose people. So I have segments that are in there so that, you know, over the course of 30 minutes, you're going to move into different parts of the podcast to kind of keep it going. So that's kind of, I guess, part of the art of what I'm doing, but also because I feel like that's what feels good for my topic. Can I ask you about your music? We took great pains to make sure that our music was licensed. How about yours? The intro and outro music, I just picked up right out of the Anchor app, which is which is owned by Spotify now. And so that was not a problem. My makes music and I keep talking to him. I'm like, can you make some theme music for me? And now nah, he's too busy. <laughs> so that I just snag right out. So that means anybody could use that for theirs. Um, so one day I'd like to change that. And then let's see, same thing if I do any kind of little promo, I don't do advertising, but I'll do some kind of promo to maybe one of my blog posts that I've already done that relates to what the episode is about, or maybe I'll promote some kind of book that I really enjoyed that has to do with the episode. And I like to have music playing through that part because it's real short and I want people to understand this is going to go by quick. It's, I'm not going to talk about this forever. And again, that comes right out of the podcasting platform. And then the only music I do have uh, during the star tour part, I get I, at the very end of the podcast, there's a star tour designed for people to take the podcast outside, sit under the stars and help them find their way across the sky to find pl uh, planets and different constellations. And I did actually get my son to create a looped music that just plays real quietly in the background. I have gotten a couple of pieces in the past from a website called Pond5. And um, you can get free music there and you can also pay for music there. So I've done that a couple of times. But other than that, I don't use a whole lot of music. Do you write a lot of what you're getting ready to say or do you just wing it? I tried winging it a couple of times and I, my brain gets a little bit too far out in front of my mouth. So um, sometimes I have a little more trouble articulating what I want to say, or I'll get partway into it and be like, I'll get like partway into what I'm saying and feel like, oh, I wish I had said this while I was going. So I finally just scripted it. I want it to sound natural and informal and conversational. But I also really want to make sure that I make my points and do them efficiently. <laughs> And so I do script out those parts and then do my best to, you know, make it engaging and exciting and informal and not sound like I'm reading. No, you don't sound like you're reading at all, no. But I oh, could, good. <laughs> but I could tell that she had written it exactly because you're, Steve and I, we sit here and wing it and then Steve does a fantastic job editing it. Well, I mean, we have our list of questions. Well, we do. Yeah. We do. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. as a writer, writing your thoughts about your podcast, what are your feelings about AI? Ooh, this is a, this is a fun topic and I don't get to talk to about to very many people about it. I'm fascinated by AI. I'm fascinated that a computer can generate things that we always attributed to human abilities. So that fascinates me. And I've had people, I had a friend who, uh, when ChatGPT first came out, he, he sent me a poem about the night sky. 
that he had ChatGPT create and sent to me. And it was pretty darn good. And I was like, wow, okay, that's impressive. But I say all that to say, I'm also very leery. I just, I want to hold it at an arm's length. And the reason is that, first of all, I love reading. I'm reading constantly. I'm one of those people who just craves learning new things all of the time. And I love to find what other people have discovered, what they have learned, what they've experienced. And so whether it is reading a book or listening to a piece of music or looking at a piece of art, it's, I'm fascinated by what's created by AI, but inside of me, I want to know what another human has learned, another human has thought about what they are feeling. And so that's my struggle with AI, you know, and I'm, I'm writing a book right now. And I, I like, I want the whole world to know laws and all this is my work. I didn't get help from a computer generated anything. And so I feel like it kind of cheapens the human part of it. So that's my opinion about it. <laughs> you have some really deep thoughts about that. That's very interesting. And it's it's the same way I feel about visual art. I want artists' reactions to the world around them to be expressed in their art. I don't want an AI coming up yeah. with a visual piece of art. And I've seen some stunning pieces of AI art, but that's not what I want. <laughs> that's not what I want to see. I want to see through other people's eyes. Right. And there's those who would say, in a sense, you are. Because AI is just, and we'll talk about writing, AI is just going out on the web and, yeah. can I say, plagiarizing other people's work. That's Maybe plagiarizing yeah. isn't the word, but... That's the other thing. Like, you know, as, as a writer, you know, here I'm working on a book where I've... Uh, it's about night sky experiences that people can have on Highway 89 from Mexico to Canada. Oh, and wow. I have taken the time and the money to travel that road up and down and up and down. I just mm -hmm. got back the day before yesterday from Montana, from a, from a section of 89 up there. And to have AI take all the work that I did and just spit it out to somebody else feels cheap, too. Sure. Yeah. Not fair at all. What's the name of your book? Um, it doesn't really have a name quite yet. Okay. I'm still I'm still in the research and early writing phase, but I've just I've fallen in love with Highway 89. I've driven it I can't even tell you how many times, and realized uh, a couple years ago, you know, there are so many dark sky places along here, and certified dark sky communities and parks. There's seven national parks and tons of national monuments and everything along there. And I was like, this is the perfect book for me. So it's kind of part travel, tourism, stargazing, so kind of a nature type thing. And then touching also on the um, indigenous night culture, night sky culture um, of the indigenous people along that route. And so, yeah, I don't want AI to come along and I did all that work and then just rip it out and share it with the world. Exactly. Well... Steve and I are excited about your upcoming book. I want to read it when it comes out. We already want to book you for another date for a podcast when that <laughs> when you're ready to put that out for pub, for the public. Yeah, because oh, we've, we've all traveled 89 uh, and 89A. Yeah. I always remember 89A. Because yes. it seems like we're always on 89A. Well, that's definitely more beautiful. <laughs> 
Anytime you can get an alternate route, take it. <laughs> yes. Do you have plans on October 14th for the annular eclipse? Oh, um, I'm the president of the Fountain Hills Dark Sky Association. My town, Fountain Hills, Arizona, is an international dark sky community. And so uh, there's a group of us within our organization who are going to be doing an event here in town. And we've purchased the solar, you know, the paper solar glasses that you can look at the sun with and we have solar telescopes. So we're going to do a little event here in our town on that morning. Sounds like a good event. Can I cycle us back just a little bit, though? Um, sure. Can we ask about the young Vicky? Um, what did Vicky do? Vicky? Did, did the young Vicky do art? Did your mom and dad, of course, you're in, in Idaho. Did they? Well, it sounds like they had a trampoline in the backyard, and you got to lay there and look up. But what were you doing a lot? I mean, was the young Vicky heading to Disneyland, or was the young Vicky um, heading out to the national park or monument? Boy, we, my my great grandfather had built a real small log cabin on a tiny lake up in Montana. I spent every summer of my life going up to Montana, and we did road trips. I never flew on an airplane until I was 17 years old and flew somewhere by myself. I grew up in a family that was was always into road trips because it was cheaper. That was the reason we did them. Going up to the family cabin, which, you know, you didn't, there was no telephone at the cabin. There was a TV, but you had one local channel. That was it. So you just kind of played outside. So I spent a lot of time outside. We visited some national parks. You know, we were really close to Glacier. So we went to Glacier. We went to Yellowstone. I grew up on a big piece of property. So, of course, I had one of those moms who's like, go outside, go outside all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got up into my high school years and I got so sick of being cold in the winter. And I told my mom, when I grow up, I'm going to move somewhere that's hot. I should not have wished for that because I live in Phoenix, Arizona. We just had this summer 31 days straight, over 110 degrees. I don't know why I live here. And I don't like the heat anymore. Oh. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I was just kind of a typical kid, really. I played sports in high school and then never again. I played an instrument in junior high and then never again, you know, but... One thing that was always me was writing. I'll tell you this. I was a writer since before I knew the alphabet because I took an ink pen and scribbled in a perfectly straight line. I don't know what they were, some petroglyphs or something because I didn't know the alphabet. And so I I was writing on the wall with ink pen. And then my dad was like, don't do that anymore. He gave me a piece of paper with lines on it and I still have it. It's like this chicken scratch, but every letter, whatever you want to call them, was perfectly the same size as each other, the perfect straight lines. And who knows what I was writing? I was probably three years old. So I've been doing, I've been writing my whole life. <laughs> That's a great story. I that really that. is. Yes. And so <laughs> fortunate that your parents kept that paper for you. Yeah. <laughs> now, how about brothers and sisters? I have two brothers. One is about two and a half years younger than me, and the other is nearly 10 years younger than me. So, like, he grew up in a different generation than me. So our conversations are so interesting because we see the world through completely different eyes. We're a decade apart, and so we have very interesting conversations. And and I have a very good relationship with my brothers. They still live up in the Idaho area. They didn't torture you or anything? Oh, I was the oldest. Oh, you tortured them? 
Oh, yeah. I was the oldest, and I have an A-type personality. Oh, yeah. You know who's in charge. <laughs> now, how about your family now? I know that you mentioned um, your daughter, um, her art. Yeah. So my daughter, I have a, a 23-year-old daughter and a 24-year-old son, and they are both amazing artists. Oh, my gosh. They can draw like nobody's business. Got that from my husband, and then his mom was a remarkable artist. And when they were really little, she did some, some little art things and they would spend the night and taught them like shading and all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm just blown away. And today my daughter, actually, she's really gotten into fashion design. And so she's taken some college classes for that and kind of moving towards that field. And that's an incredible art. I'm really impressed. So, yeah, um, they didn't get any of that from me because I don't know how to do any of that stuff. <laughs> I, I would assume then your husband was also part of the homeschooling curriculum? Um, um, he was back up when I had a really bad day. Let's say that. <laughs> but I was and wondering, I did, did, did he do the art classes? Um, no, his mom did more of that. But, I mean, he, they did, like, just hanging out in the evening. Sometimes they would do stuff together. And, and he's an amazing artist. They didn't ever do it really formally as school. It was just kind of hanging out with dad or hanging out with grandma. But I made sure that they had access to that kind of stuff. But I think, you know, again, you know, we were part of a really robust homeschool group. So they had a huge, really great group of friends that they grew up with. And when they got into 11th grade, they did part of their day was at a place called EVID. It's the East Valley Institute of Technology. So they were like getting college credit for, you know, my daughter did graphic design and my son went into filmmaking and stuff. So, oh, yeah, wow. so they, they had their experiences and things they wouldn't have been able to do if they were going to the to regular high school. So, you know, they kind of have a love-hate relationship with the fact that they were home to school, but we have a good relationship now, really good it sounds like we need to interview them. They're artists for us. <laughs> yes, they are. For people who would be interested in doing a podcast, I would really recommend to take the time and listen to a lot of podcasts. Pay attention to what you don't like about it because you can learn just as much about what you're not liking about what's being done as the things that you do like and start taking notes from that because then it can help really formulate in your mind, uh, I guess a template, I would say, how you want to do your podcast. I enjoy ones that don't ramble on and on because I've tried listening to somewhere like, I really want to hear about this topic, but they ramble for so long with their guests that I'm like, we're not getting anywhere. I'm not hearing things. So, you know, that was something I personally didn't like. And so... Find those things that really helps you to fine tune and define what your podcast is going to be like and understand the feel that you want your listeners to get. And yeah, um, you know, I've heard a lot of other artists say, hurry and get your first work done first uh, fast because it's going to be really crappy and just get that done. <laughs> so you can move on and get better. And it is so true. You know, I told the story already about my first episode and you know, I'm grateful that it turned out good, but boy, it was a horrible, horrible experience. But I had to get that experience down so that I could move on and get better. And I've had to just, you know, I've spent a lot of time this last year listening to a lot of audiobooks and reading books by other artists just to help me wrap my mind around. As an A-type personality, I always have a to-do list. 
I always have this idea in my head of at the end of the day, this is what a productive day looks like. And I've had to step back and listen to these audiobooks and listen to know an artist. It's okay to come to the end of the day. Maybe all you did is think all day. That's okay. So I've really had to work through that just, just because of my own personality. So. Sounds like you've had a, a lot of right brain, left brain struggles. I still do. I still do. I had a conversation with my husband the other day. I was like, I really kind of want to do this thing, but I feel guilty because of how much time this is taking. He's like, why? I I, I don't know. I totally hear. I've been listening to some great books. If if it's okay for me to mention a few that are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely wonderful for me. One was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Phenomenal book. She's the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Um, That's right. It's a really, yeah, it's a great book about creativity and art. One that I'm listening to, actually, I already listened to the whole thing, and as soon as it ended, I started it all over again. It's called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. He's a music producer, and oh my goodness, this book is phenomenal. And then there's a three, on Audible, you can buy it as a trilogy. It's these three little mini books written by a guy whose name is Austin Cleon, K-L-E-O-N. I don't know everything that he does, I just know this trilogy, and I've listened to it three times this year. And so it's really, really helped me because I've never thought of myself as an artist i've had to expand my definition in my own head of what an artist is and those books have really really opened my mind and i'm really grateful for all of those i read i always have one book like physical book that i'm reading and one audio book that i'm reading and then they you know i only listen to the audio books while i'm getting ready in the morning doing my morning chores or i'm in the car driving that's it the other times Anytime I can sneak in a minute, it's a physical book. Do you spend a lot of time on your website? It's amazing. When I first launched my website, I had built the website myself, and I never liked it. But I did all I knew to do to be able to create one. It's not my area of expertise. And so when I was getting ready to launch the podcast a year later, I had made enough money from doing surveying gigs that I paid somebody to design that website for me, and I'm very happy with it. You've given a lot of really good advice for people interested in, artists interested in going into podcasting, having a website to go along with that, and newsletter. We've learned so much from you today. Well, and you know, let me say this too, now that you've just mentioned that, is that if you're relying on social media for your audience, you don't own that audience. Facebook owns that audience. Instagram owns that audience. You don't know if those if those platforms go away, your audience disappears. If you have your own website, that's a little different. But how do you really interact with your audience? And so I've I've learned that your true audience are the people who subscribe to your newsletter and you have access directly to them. And so I would encourage any artist who's just relying on social media for an audience, you got to go a step further. You've got to figure out how to get some kind of a subscription thing going on. You know, I use MailChimp and that was free for me clear up until this year. 
And then I passed the certain number where it's not free for me anymore. But there's, I mean, you can do all of this stuff for almost free. So yeah, if, if someone's an artist out there, whether they're painting or writing or <laughs> podcasting, it doesn't matter what it is, own your audience. And you're only going to do that through a subscription newsletter that you subscribe to. Good advice. We always ask our guests, our last question is, what has inspired you recently? Oh, boy. What's inspired me recently has been, actually, it's been over the whole last year. I've just been getting out on the road for this book that I'm writing and meeting people, talking to them about their experiences under the night sky, interviewing people. Like, it's just, it makes me more and more excited about what I'm doing. Because honestly, writing the book is really hard work. I've been, like I said, I've been writing since this three years old, but this has been really, really hard for me. So continually talking to people and things about this project has really motivated me. And so I've learned that I personally create better when I don't let myself just kind of sit in my own private world, which is easy to do, but to get out there and keep talking to people, they really will inspire you. Yes, they will. My favorite part of this is the people. Yeah. New best friends. Yes. Well, Vicki, thank you so much. I'm hooked on your podcast. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So I've probably only got about 20 more to go and I will catch up. And then I'll be, when's the next one come? Do Do you publish weekly or... I, every two weeks. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. And so occasionally that means three episodes in a month. Um, and I, I would love to do weekly. I just don't have the time to do that. So to every two weeks is about all I can handle. And I just started listening to your podcast, and I'm looking forward to hearing more and getting your newsletter so I get all the updates of what to look at in the night sky. This has been fantastic, and I thank you so much for being with us today, Vicki. Yeah, thank you for spending the time. Vicki, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 What has inspired you this past month while we've been not doing podcasts, Linda? Really, honestly, what's inspired me was that trip we took. It was so fun. I love seeing the Delamar Dry Lake that you drove Betsy over. And I absolutely love digging for the trilobites and finding the petrified plants. Those were fantastic. Yeah, it was like being little kids just digging it. It was fun. And there were some other people around that we talked to. Yeah, it was great. We tried to get them on a podcast, but but we did not. (laughs) What's inspired you? Well, you know, inspired me. We had, we we went to Las Vegas Mm -hmm. to see Alina Lindquist. Um, open show at mm-hmm. the West Charleston Library. And it was so good. And Alina met us there. And it was, she's just a heck of a talent. She is. She's fantastic. And yeah. I, it was so fun to meet her and see her art. 
work and talk about her art with her. Um, then we went over to Lulu. And Lulu is a studio and also a art gallery. We, we went there and we met with Adriana Chavez. And we did a podcast with Adriana Chavez on our cell phone. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It sure was a lot of fun. It was all spur of the moment because the artists that we wanted to interview actually had something come up, come up at the last minute, and she was not able to be there. So Adriana showed us around the studio, and we had a great interview with her. Yes, we did, and she's a character. She and, is. and we got to talk a little bit about because Adriana is a performing artist as well as a visual artist. Mm -hmm. And we got to talk about performing arts during COVID. Right. right. And, and it was interesting how people survived. And it was a great discussion. Oh, it was also a great discussion about what is art. Is it necessarily just something pretty on the wall that people want to buy for their homes? She had some great visual art to look at and discuss as well. Yes, she did. So I, what we do, I just love. Okay, yeah. We go around, we talk to artists, yeah. and they they call us, and it's um, I, I just have a really good time talking to art. And I've got the best podcast partner here. Oh, we have a good time. We have a great time. We have and, a fantastic time. And we time. laugh a lot and not cry too much. That's right. Steve, one more thing. Don't forget to bring me back one or two pieces of all of those fossil rocks that are in your backyard. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yes, I'll do that. All right. The only other thing that inspired me, we'll say, is that you, my wife, Rachel Washington, who is a part-time podcaster with us, and Ron, your husband, we all met at Casablanca, and we danced one night to oh, the yeah. Terry Wayne Project, Yes. who you had interviewed recently. Yes. I'm Terry Smith. Which, by the way, that's taken off. It's it's well over a hundred views. Oh, he is so popular. He's he's very popular here in Las Vegas and Laughlin. Uh, it's a really interesting podcast. Yeah, and we we had a good time that night. So, and I got a little sore from dancing. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.